Hello, and welcome to episode 161 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, joined today by Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho! It's another Melissa episode, everyone. We need a jingle. Jingle, jingle. Jingle, jingle. <laughs> <laughs> the Salvation <laughs> Army. And rounding out the Fuel Lagoon crew today's Phil Fariska. Hey, everybody. And Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And we have another fun Melissa episode, everyone. This is going to be a, di- a dive into our latest travel sentiment study. If you've been following along, either fueltravel.com slash blog or on this pod- podcast, we've been sending out surveys every two or three weeks to a bunch of travelers and asking them what the heck do they think about this COVID-19 situation and what are their plans for traveling. And so we just did uh, volume eight, which is Melissa's lucky number, so it must be good. And we've been doing this now for like 15 weeks or something crazy. But this is also episode 161, which is eight in numerology. Look wow. Mind <laughs> blown. It's almost as if we planned that. That is what crazy. a throwback. Mic drop. That, yeah. I mean, and thank you for tuning in. Until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. <laughs> That, that's crazy, Melissa. So we got a lot of cool data to unpack today. One, one of the new questions we asked, because you know we're 15 weeks into this thing, some people are traveling, obviously, and we wanted to get an insight into what their experience was has been when they've traveled as well. So there's a few new questions, but we're also slicing and dicing. We like to kind of look at different segments as we're looking at this data. So we also this time took a look at Uh, the perceptions of people that have traveled versus those that haven't traveled as well. So that's what you have to look forward to today. But before we do that, let's see what's going on in the news of ruse. With hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for news of ruse. Wow. That was a really good one, Pete. Like That might have been your best yet. Like, I he, feel like he you... listened to Melissa's and hung on to that one note a little extra. He did. Well, yeah. Well, no, sure. uh, I, I poured a glass of Angel's Envy uh, <laughs> bourbon, and it's really just, it's got me singing. Yeah? Like, but uh, you, you know who's not singing right now? Who's that? The cruise lines. So <laughs> this news item comes to us from Travel Pulse, and the headline is Royal Caribbean Group to Require co- Coronavirus Testing Before Sailings. So kind of give a little bit of background. Earlier this week, the cruise lines all agreed to suspend all cruise operations until the beginning of November. So as it is the summer season, which is not a peak season for a cruise, was already shot. And looking at when it comes out of this you know, voluntary suspension of service, they're going, or at least Royal Caribbean, and I'm assuming the others will follow suit, start requiring testing before sailing. Uh, I don't necessarily see when they're going to require testing before sailing. I would imagine we're seeing more and more of the near instantaneous tests that it will be while you're probably at the port. But I uh, hope so, because you, you'd imagine that you know if one person catches it on their way on their travels to uh, take the cruise, that could be devastating for for the cruise lines all over. Yeah, and, and the cruise lines they're in a you know, I, I feel bad for for that industry. It's a they make their money based on cramming as many people into a boat as possible, and that is like the worst possible thing that you could do to help mitigate the spread of this disease. So, what we're going to see how that that plays out. But they got a couple months to figure everything out before they start cruises up again, anyway. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with this. But uh, you know, our, our hearts go out to those guys for sure. They haven't listened to us when we said just turn your cruise into a waterfront hotel. If you just turn the cruise ship into the waterfront hotel, could have, could have had people in there all along. Maybe a mobile school, you know, because schools need, need places for kids to go spread out. There, there are options. This, this has been interesting to watch, right, because there's this narrative that's gone on over the last early parts of the pandemic, which was, well, cruises aren't going to be 
that successful for a long time. And then we started seeing it flip and everyone was like, well, cruises are actually having record booking pieces. And everyone's saying now that 2021 is looking really strong in terms of what's on the books compared to what you would expect for, for cruise lines. But this, this, this is nothing more for me. This is nothing more than a proper propaganda and a publicity stunt saying this because it really doesn't help a great deal because the tricky thing with this virus is you don't become symptomatic you don't necessarily test positive for a, an unknown period between when you're exposed in, in now right so it could be seven days it could be that you literally are driving down from south carolina to, to get on your florida cruise and you stop at a gas station and you happen to get exposed right then you show up to the gates of the cruise line and you take the test and you put and you're negative as as is everyone else and then you get on the ship and all of a sudden you become symptomatic and you start spreading it like wildfire because we've seen what happens on cruise ships with covid right we, we saw that very visibly and disturbingly right as this whole pandemic um, began to unfold where Ships weren't allowed to, to dock anywhere because so many people were contracting it and dying and crazy stuff was happening. So I just, until there's really a vaccine, I think the, the not only are the cruise lines going to be in trouble because it's only going to take one ship to, con, to have a case out of the you know hundreds that are going to be out in the water. One ship gets a case that spreads to more than a couple of people. And it's going to be all over every media outlet. And then your entire booking of everyone that's already booked is going to cancel the next day. So, yeah, I'm glad this isn't the Fuel uh, Cruise Line Marketing Podcast. I'm glad we focus on <laughs> hotels. Because they, they in for some difficult times. Waters. Melissa, you keep breaking up. Like when you start speaking, I miss yeah. the first word. It's very strange. Uh that is weird. Yeah. So you're just going to have to keep speaking and not stop, and then we'll be okay. Okay. Well, that's good. This is a, the Melissa, Melissa episode. Yeah. So you just need to say, um, or something like that, because then the mic will pick you up, and then you can keep talking. Um, the other thing I will say is that, uh, Phil, you sound really echoey, so your new studio may not be conducive to soundage. You may have to <laughs> yeah. go back in the closet, my friend. Uh, I got kicked out of the closet that's being used right now, so okay. I'm I'm in the new echoey, empty office. Phil, okay. you're less than two miles away from me. While Melissa starts talking on item number one, just jump in your car and head over to my house. And we'll record <laughs> <me>. <laughs> All right. Well, we apologize to the listeners for the the um, the lack of sound quality in today's episode, but we will make up for that in content quality. So, Melissa, you want to kick it off? We are going to kick it off. Well, as Stuart said, we did ask people about travel patterns and if they've traveled at all since this pandemic broke out. And 34% of our respondents said, yes, they have traveled. And we asked since March 15th was the date that we included 34% said yes, 66% said no. I was not surprised by those numbers at all. Were you, anybody? No, I, I think it's it's scary when you look at the numbers and say, of the people who completely missed any type of summer vacation, I mean, two-thirds of the people just opted out of travel this year. And that that's some scary numbers. Yeah, I, I, you know, do you feel like what would the number be in a normal year? You know, it's not 100% of people travel every year. So I don't know how far off we are, but certainly as we, when did we ask this? We asked this about a week, a week ago, I guess, which is the end of uh, July. That's, that's scary, right? It, it, it says a lot about the lost, the lost year or the lost season of, of hotels. So well, I, I'd imagine, I'd imagine that it's flipped. Um, you'd probably see 66% of people typically say yes at this time of year. And I guess we also have to take into account, you know, what are, what are people considering travel? Is it, you know, not everybody's considering summer vacation travel. Sure. They could have just traveled to see family in, you know, another state, a couple hours away, something like that could still be considered travel. Mm -hmm. The other thing to take from that stat is, you know, 30% have traveled during the hardest part of the, the pandemic, right? And, and we do know that there's a lot of new normal. We talk about new normal a lot everywhere. 
And one of the, the new normal things we're going to have to cater to is that the season's going to be shifted. You know, schools are going back at different times. Some schools aren't going back at all. People aren't necessarily tied to their desks at work. So let's look at all this data with the mindset of what's the opportunity here. So we know that 30 something percent of people have traveled. And if you haven't been seeing those people travel to you, you have to say, well, why not? Where, where were they traveling to? And why were they choosing those type of destinations or locations or properties? And how can I get a piece of that moving forward? But then also, well, what is, what is the new reality for these people? And how do I tap into that? So maybe it's offering people a, a staycation um, away from their home, but where you have facilities for the kids to, to be able to do their homeschooling or their virtual learning or whatever it is that they're, they're enrolled in for this, this year. So I, th I think look at it as there's an opportunity here. People are traveling. People want to travel. They need a break. You have facilities. If you set up right, you can make it safe and conducive for them and more comfortable than their current situation being stuck at home. So the next question is aimed towards the people who answered yes, that they have traveled. And we asked them, did the property communicate any of the following to you prior to your recent stay? And to me, this may be the most important question on the survey on this round to me. So we asked about the cleaning protocols, mask requirements, check-in procedures, availability of property amenities, the property's overall COVID response, government restrictions, the status of local restaurants, and the status of local attractions and activities. And I was very curious to see what consumers' response was to this because we have been preaching so hard about communicating all the right things to potential and existing guests. And hey, Melissa, a, before yeah. we say the numbers... We, yeah. We'd be remiss not to shout out the link. So if folks want to follow along and look at the pretty pictures that you created while you talk about the numbers, that, that would be handy dandy for them. So if you want to go right now to fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 161, uh, we're going to have a link there to the, the to the survey results. You can also look back at all our previous seven um, volumes as well at fueltravel.com slash blog. So either fueltravel.com slash blog or fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 161. And you will see volume eight, which is what we're going through today. And you can follow along with pretty pictures. Sorry, Melissa, carry on. That's okay. So at the top of the list of things that properties are doing a pretty darn good job at is telling people about the updated cleaning protocols at the property. Over 70% of consumers said that they had received communication about that. Great. Awesome. Wearing uh, the, the local mask requirements came in at over 60%. Not as stellar, but not terrible. Uh, we we kind of go downhill from there, and at the bottom is what really disheartens me the most. So both the open status of local restaurants and the open status of local attractions and activities uh, came in at 40 and 30 percent of people received information about that. And I will say this, people are going on vacation to not stay inside the room. They are going on vacation because they want to do things. So if you are not communicating with your guests what things there are to do during these unprecedented times, you're <laughs> failing as a hospitality agent. You need to be hospitable and do a better job. Hey, can you do that voice that you did for the rest of the episode? <laughs> <laughs> Her sarcasm voice. <laughs> it, it sounded it reminded me of dave chappelle's white man voice that's what it sounded like to me Great. It was oh, very one good. one thing that i noticed about this question in particular it, it it sort of matches with a question we'll go over in the future um asking you know what would what would guests like to hear from hotels and overwhelmingly for all of you know all of these iterations we see you know people want to hear what is the property doing to protect guests and it seems that properties are doing a pretty darn good job of you know, updating people of what 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 they're doing so 
that was that was positive. Yeah, but they're also saying they want to know what's going on in the local area, and it seems like guests yeah. are not getting that information yeah. from the properties. And it, it's you know, surely it's no one listening to this show because we've been saying it for months that they should be sending out that information. But you have to be the real time resource for what's going on on your property in your area right now because there's so much uncertainty and guests they they get fearful when they have uncertainty and your job is to eliminate some of that fear by creating something that is tangible and real and that and and that they trust you're an agent of trust and and trust is the biggest most valuable thing you can give to a guest right now well i I would say that the properties are already doing a relatively good job of trying to alleviate fear but you know, there's two sides to that coin. One, you need to alleviate the fear with the cleaning protocols, mask requirements, updated process, check-in processes. But what you also have to do is first alleviate the fear, but then entice the, the visit, which is the part that the hotels in general are not doing a great job of. Explaining that it's still fun to go wherever it is that these people are thinking about going for things like the restaurants, the attractions, whatever else it might be. You, know, you still have to sell the the dream of a great vacation. Yeah, if your pre-arrival email is still the same as you know before the pandemic, you you probably should update that and include some of the uh, things to do around your property. When, and your website too. There's there's a lot of people right now that are sitting there at home dreaming about a vacation, and, and their their finger is on the trigger, but something is holding them back. And it's usually some form of uncertainty or doubt, right? And there's a lot of those that you can push from dreaming about a vacation to booking a vacation if you apply the right psychology, if you provide the right information to them. So what is that information? Well, one of those pieces of information might be, well, when I get there, what can I do and what can I not do? You know, both on the property and off the property. So what amenities are open, what, what are not? What, maybe it's about the restaurants. I want to go out and eat, but I don't know if the restaurants are allowing people to come in and eat or if I have to go outside or if I have to wear a mask or all this doubt and uncertainty that that's not a good thing and it's not conducive to booking. So your job right now is to provide clarity and, and trust and you, you can do that by providing information to the guests. And I will also say this, that unfortunately, maybe through no fault of the hotel itself, but when a customer, when a guest comes to stay with you for a vacation, remember we are talking leisure travel, and they come on vacation and they find out, oh, this thing that I wanted to do isn't even open, it reflects poorly on their whole vacation. It reflects poorly on their trip, on their experience, and that is going to reflect poorly on the property. Because they did not have a good time. Yep. And you'll get worse reviews because of that, even though it's not your fault. Right. Because we like to blame people for things out of our control. Well, and like you said earlier, Melissa, they're not coming here or there, wherever your property is, just to stay in the room. They're coming here for a vacation experience. And you are the lead on that experience. Whether you control it or not, you still need to kind of pick up that, you know, porch and say, okay, I am the lead and I'm going to make sure that their entire vacation is as as good as can be. All All right. right. Moving on to another question asked of those people who have already traveled. Did the property meet your expectations in the following areas? We asked about cleanliness and sanitization of common areas of the hotel room of social distancing enforcement, availability of amenities, the check-in process, and overall safety. And very good news here, across every single category, expectations were either met or exceeded by far, more than, I can't do math, 80-something percent across the board were met or exceeded. So people at least on property, are pretty happy with what they're finding. Yeah, and there's a couple of things to unpack with this. You know, one, we got we got we've talked about this before on the show that the people traveling right now, by definition, are more likely to be risk takers. Right? There's obviously ex- exceptions to that, but in in general, they're going to be risk takers, which means they're probably more tolerant of risk, which means they're probably more tolerant of certain standards, which means 
don't expect this to continue, right? As as people that are less risk tolerant start showing up, their expectations might be a little higher. So we may see this decrease over time, but it, it is a good start. We just got to make sure we don't rest on our laurels as an industry and we continue to maintain the standards so that we're meeting expectations of the guests. And then yeah. the two items that stand out in terms of things that did not meet expectations, and these weren't fails, but the highest ranking ones, was the social distancing enforcement. We had a 17% rating of under meeting expectations and then availability of amenities was at 16% that did not meet expectations. And in and, and so many cases, those are just, you know, those are the hardest things to do of all the things that we, we asked of, you know, people who have traveled. It's, it's very hard to enforce social distancing. It's very hard to enforce some, someone do something, um, you know, in, in like, like wearing a mask or like, like social distancing, not piling in elevators, things like that. Um, I can see where, you know, some people would be upset, but again, those are, those are the hardest things to do for a property and they're well, still, they're still 80, 80 plus percent meets the expectations of, of our, of the guests that we, we surveyed. So. Well, one, well, one of them is very hard to do, right? Social distancing, but the availability of amenities being 16%, not meeting expectations you know, we, we talked about this in earlier episodes where one of the one of the properties that we use as an example, their one of their amenities was free breakfast. And they had to adapt pretty significantly to to remove that as an amenity and change it to something else, right? But they you need to do that because you don't want a guest getting there thinking that there's free breakfast, or in some cases at the beginning of this issue, a water park or pool that was not there. You need to be communicating that stuff to the guest in advance. Yeah. And, and keep in mind the word expectation. It's what they expect, not necessarily what they want, right? So expectations is part about what you're delivering, but it's also part about what you've communicated. So going back to the previous question, where I don't remember what the percentage was, but it, it wasn't a particularly high percentage of in, in terms of the number of people that heard about what availability of amenities were before they arrived. And that's going to impact this number right here. Agreed. So set expectations, people. Just set expectations. Mm -hmm. All right. We asked again, this is the second survey we've asked about mask ordinances and how that will impact travel plans. And this was one of the questions that we had a very big shift in data compared to last time. We're still about the same as those people saying that either way doesn't matter my decision would be unchanged regardless of whether a destination has a mask ordinance or not we're at 46 percent but on the last survey we were equally split between those who would be more likely to travel versus less likely to travel because a mask ordinance was in place yeah, they, were both, this, they were both around what 26 27 20, yes uh, on this version, we are at 35% would be more likely to travel versus 19% that would be less likely to travel if a destination has a mask ordinance. So that, that's that's a lot of people like Pete, who was a jerk last time we talked about it, saying that he doesn't want to wear a mask. He's now he's now come over to the good side. No, no, no. I haven't come over to the good side. I, I absolutely 100% believe in wearing a mask when a property asks me to do so. I don't want the government telling me that. That's a libertarian. All right, Ron Paul. All right, keep going. Moving on. Uh, the, our, one of our favorite questions is this little word cloud that asks people, what's the first word you think of when considering travel right now? And it, it's back to still kind of negative. We were, we were trending positive on this cloud, and then on the last survey, it went downhill, and we're still kind of not feeling so great about traveling. So safety, still number one, by far the biggest, most popular word. Um, but we have dangerous, we have quarantine, we have fear, we have unsafe, scared, scary, nope, which is always my favorite. Um, caution is another one. We have very few positive words in this cloud right now we've got relaxing relaxation ready and fun 
everything else is pretty much negative. And then for those people who said that they haven't traveled, they were even more negative, which is not surprising. They also had nervous, uncertain, and fear in their work cloud. Yeah. I would say the thing to look at here is no matter what a hotel does in terms of reiterating the safety of their stay and making sure that guests are are taken care of and you know everyone's being socially responsible for how they handle the situation is still the number one concern. It's the number one concern of people who are staying home and the number one concern of people traveling. It's just it is what it is, right? It is what it is. Yeah. All right, moving on. Which of the following would most likely persuade you to book a future vacation during the coronavirus outbreak? We've asked this question on every round of the survey. At the top continues to be the flexibility to change my dates without penalty. That's, I think, been at the top since the beginning. In second place, we are now at reassurance that the property is doing extra sanitizing with over 60% of responses. So that has moved into the number two spot. Moving down into the number three spot is, drumroll, discounts on my day. Yeah, discounts discounts my had day. been that had Moving been number down. two, right? Pretty consistently, discounts was, and then yes. now, and then it. To be fair, it's not that far behind um, extra sanitizing, and previous to this, extra sanitizing wasn't that far behind discounts on my stay. But right. this is the first time that they flip flopped. Right. Uh, and we're looking for those who could not be persuaded to book a travel. Right now, we're at 24%. Uh, we, it, 22%, sorry. We had been at 27% on the last round, which was the first time we had seen that going up. So we're back down to 22%, but we're not down as far as we once were, which was 16% of people saying that they could not be persuaded to travel. So it's going back in the right direction, but we're not all there yet uh have you already booked a future stay really nothing exciting to talk about here 68 percent said no 28 percent said yes four percent said na we've been seeing these numbers fluctuate anywhere from 60 to 65 percent saying they have not yet booked a future stay we're at 68 percent on this one Moving that's a big pool of people that you can potentially convert. I mean, it'd be a, a big undertaking, but I mean, think of it that way, that there's 70% of the people out there that there is a button that we can push. We just got to find out what it is. And a lot of that goes back to that word cloud of safety. Look at yeah. you, Mr. Silver Lining. You got to, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why we're here, right? We're trying to drive business for hotels and and rather than bearing a head in the sand and say, well, we just got to weather the storm. Let's let's try to make the most out of the situation we have. And I agree with Pete. I think if you look at the spectrum of people, the 60-something percent that are at least open to traveling right, right now, you know, some of them will require a little more coercing than others. Some, some you, it might just be one little mental block about, you know, some safety thing. And we'll talk about like cleaning in a second and the types of things you can do. But I, I, you've got to try. You've got to go down swinging if you're going to go down. So why not try to figure out what messaging works, what magic words you can say to reassure people that are on the fence right now and get them to, to pull the trigger. As long as you're doing it in a way that's not reckless, as long as you're doing it in a way that's taking care of your staff and your guests and that you're reducing the risk of spreading this disease, then you absolutely should be doing everything you can to market right now and, and persuade people to come stay with you responsibly. And if you want a clue, you can go back up to item number six, which is which of the following would persuade you to book a vacation? And the answer has been flexibility to change my dates without penalty. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know we, I think you need to be beating that drum over and over again because that is the current biggest concern people have between that and making sure the property is being sanitized. Push those buttons to make sure that at least for your customers, that's not a concern. Yeah. 
that and, and then the keeping the guests safe. Like, what are you doing to protect me? That's the other thing. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. And um, just a quick note on that. Uh, something that you can do, actionable item. Um, <clears throat> oh, you'll notice in Google Hotel ads that Booking.com constantly puts free cancellation uh, as their call-out extension for a Google Hotel ad. I would recommend you do flexible cancellation uh, if you if you offer such a thing, which we hope you do. But adding that as your call-out extension will likely increase your click-through rates and probably your conversion rate. That's a pro tip from Phil Fariska. <laughs> that needs a little sound, too. Yeah. Pro tip. Pro tip. <laughs> I felt like that sounded like Wayne's World. It needs, like, an electric guitar behind it. <laughs> All right. Question number eight. Pick the eight, 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 eight. three reasons that would prevent you from staying in a hotel right now. Wait, this is this is question eight on episode eight about volume eight. Yes. Wow, this is important. This is this is the, the, the end all be all question. Mm -hmm. So most important that people don't want to travel because fear of other guest interactions. Lots hmm. of people are afraid of people. Imagine that. Yeah. Followed by fear of the common areas. Which is essentially people as well, you know, being it, near stuff people have touched. And there's a chasm between those two. It's not they're neck and neck at all. And one's 35%, one's 45%. Yeah. And I will say this, th both of those percentages, again, did go positive since the last survey. Uh, fear of the uh, guest interaction went from 51% down to 46%, and then common areas dropped from 41% down to 35%. Uh, but again, still not as low as we had seen them in prior surveys. So The other thing that's changed on this one, which was interesting, is the third, I think it was the third one last time was budget concerns. In, in so because we didn't just ask about fear stuff it was like what what could be blocking them right now from from booking and it was fear fear money fear 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 and this time money's dropped down and it's like fear 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 at this point correct and for those people who have not yet traveled their fear of other guests was at 58 percent 58 percent of people who haven't traveled haven't traveled because they're afraid of people and you, you know uh, this is that grocery store effect that I have talked about before on the show. And, and you think back, and I did it, and I'm sure everyone listening did it. The first time you went out during the pandemic to the grocery store, you were on edge. You looked at everyone like they were carrying the disease, like it was them, not me. And you looked at, you stayed way away from them, and you were very deliberate about that, right? You, your fight or flight senses were in high gear, but then the second time, you're still very aware of that, but it was slightly diminished, and then the third, even less, and then eventually by the 10th or 20th time you've been to the grocery store, you're reaching out in front of people to pick up a new watermelon or something. So you, over time, get desensitized, right? The, the brain is an interesting thing in that the, the more you do something, the more, more the neural pathways are created, you're going to become more used to it and, and less less fearful or less risk adverse to or less risk adverse to it. So you as an individual having had traveled are going to less be less likely to be fearful of people. Plus by the nature of you being more of a risk taker, you're going to be less fearful of people as well. But it, it's kind of this double-edged sword that's skewing those numbers, I think. All right. Next up is during the outbreak, I would like to hear from hotels on all the following topics. Number one, is what the property is doing to protect guests. Nearly 60% want to know what the property is doing to protect them. Second on the list is packages and specials. And this moved back up into the number two spot. It had been lower on the last survey. Um, and number three is how the coronavirus is affecting the local area. And those two are basically neck and neck. And that's why they have flip-flopped. So this goes back to, again, so that is the number three thing they want to hear about is how, what's going on in the local area. And it is the thing that hoteliers are failing on the most. Bad. 
bad, bad, bad. My Ooh. fingers. Are all you them. wagging your finger? I am literally time? wagging my finger right now. Hmm. <laughs> don't listen, people. Don't burn Melissa's buttons and don't get her goat because she does not like it. So stop it. <laughs> Well, packages and specials actually moved up two spots since the last time we did this survey, uh, which is surprising. I mean, it was only about 5% increase, but I think there's there's been a lot of fluctuation about what people want to hear, aside from what are you doing to protect guests. That is what people are constantly most concerned about. That really has not moved at all. Correct. All right, so the next one is a new question. I was super curious to see what the responses were gonna be on this. How would the following hotel protocols increase your confidence in staying at a property? All right, so hold on, before you jump into this one, anyone that's sort of half listening to this podcast right now while they're doing something else to stop the other thing you're doing, this, this, question right here there's a lot of insight that you can get that are really really it's it's really going to help you so pay attention listen to melissa's words so the first category was leaving the room vacant for 24 hours between guests followed by leaving the room vacant for 40 48 hours between guests sealing the room after it's been cleaned a deep cleaning between guests now, look at how close the two wordings of those two categories are. Toiletries provided to you at check-in. Keep coat sanitized and placed in a sealed bag. And an option to check in via a mobile app. For those who are wondering what had the greatest increase in confidence, it was by an overwhelming margin the quote-unquote deep cleaning between guests, which was at almost 70% to greatly increase confidence versus 37% that said sealing the room after it's been cleaned. I would love to know what consumers think the difference is between these two things. I want to know what they think a deep cleaning really is because I'm sure... You are cleaning the room between guests, regardless of coronavirus or not. So what is the difference between that procedure and your new deep cleaning procedure? Marketing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Messaging. So, so he, does everybody remember the, like the little sanitized strips that would go on toilets? We no. just need those things for the front of the hotel room, for the door. And I really think... It, I, I say marketing, marketing in a joking fashion, but really, if you look at the items that are on this list and you say, okay, which of these are really more operations-based issues that break the silo to marketing, leaving the room vacant for 24 hours, based on your occupancy, that could be very easy to do. Sealing the room after it's clean is the cost of a little strip of paper or a hang tag for the doorknob. Deep cleaning... That's a big question, right? What do you do to say it's truly been deep cleaned without being deceptive? And then toilet trees provided at check-in, that's something that could actually save your housekeeper's time if you went that direction. And then TV remote placed in a sanitized bag, again, what is the cost of a little Ziploc bag that you could stick something in? You can address each of these items and have an amazing impact on guest confidence. Yeah, and even if you don't want to do all of those, even if the... 24-hour thing is not practical because the percentage was very low. And I will give credit to one of our listeners for, for this question because this this was written in by Nicole. Um, so she she had written to info at fueltravel.com and asked us to, to ask the question about 24, 48 hours. And so thank you, Nicole, for that. We we do appreciate it. And if any other, get, uh, any other listeners have questions they'd like us to ask, we'll be glad to put them into the survey as well. But you know, Nicole, Nicole's property was looking at this 24, 48 hours or 72 hour um, break between guests. And what this data is showing me is it's completely unnecessary. You know, scientifically speaking, it's unnecessary because the, the evidence suggests that there's very little to no risk of contracting this virus from indirect contact of a hard surface, right? So, so someone leaving the room and having touched a table and then someone coming in the next day or later that same day. The the the, volume, the amount um, of the virus that would have to be on that service for them to contract it is 
astronomical and it's just very, very unlikely. So you're not really doing anything practically to, to move the needle. And, and really none of these are, right? So the important thing is the psychology because as we've said many times on the show, there's, there's two battles going on. There's the virus and we're trying to fight and, and reduce risk of spreading the virus. But there's also this perception war, this this psychological war that's going on. And this is it's just about people's perceived fears. So if you literally, all you do is say, we're doing a deep clean and what that, you don't even have to spell out everything that that means, but it could just be listing the cleaning process you already do with a little bit more, which you're probably already doing. You just classify that as a deep clean and you put that on your promotional materials. You talk about that on your website and on your emails. We're doing a deep clean between every guest's day. That right there, the data tells us that's going to persuade people. Oh, and by the way, we're also doing this thing. We're putting the tape on the on the door to prove that it's been cleaned and sanitized and no one else has been in there. And we're extra sanitizing the remote and we're putting that in a Ziploc bag. So these are some really simple things that you can do that are going to take aim at that second part of the situation. Not, the, not going to necessarily make a difference on the virus itself, but it can have a massive impact on perception in persuading guests who are on the fence to come stay with your property right now. Just do it. Just do it, Nike. And if, if our audio quality just got wonked up, there was a whole snafu. We've just been offline for like 30 minutes trying to troubleshoot it. So apologies for that, but we will persevere. So what's next, Melissa? The show must go on. We're on to number 11. How likely are you to book a trip in the next 30, 60, 90 days, six months, or a year? Again, we've been asking this question forever. We are at 45% of respondents saying maybe or higher in the next 30 days. 53% were in the next 60, and then 62% were in the next 90 days. Now, we did see a slight increase from the last survey. Again, things a little bit more positive, but only by a couple of percentage points. We had been at 57% two surveys ago of people willing to travel in the next 30 days. And now we're at 43. So, meh. <laughs> meh. Meh. How soon will you be willing to make the following trips? And this is a question that we changed a little bit from previous versions. We used to have a category for go to a local uh, hotel in the area. And we took that out. And instead, we have a drive up to one hour from my home, drive up to two hours, which we had before. And now we also have a drive up to three hours, and then six hours, 10 hours, and then fly. 53% of people are willing to drive up to an hour from their home within the next 30 days. How about that? It's pretty, I mean, we've been saying forever that you need to target a new audience, right? It's people within that close region and this just reiterates that it's a no-brainer at this point. You've got to be doing some geo-targeting that really focuses on that. Anyone within one mile, one hour radius, anyone within a three-hour radius, and so on. Again, just do it. And we have links in the survey to some articles of some how-to guides of targeting drive markets. Maybe you want, might want to check those out if you're looking for ideas. How soon will you be willing to travel to the following types of destinations? This is another question we've asked from all along. This is the first time, though, that small town has outnudged both beach mm. destination and somewhere in nature. We had 30, nearly 32% of people saying that within one month they would be willing to go to a small town. Versus 25% for nature and beach destinations. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, hey, Melissa, can I hear Aurora in the background chomping yeah, on something? She's uh, chewing a bone. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> or chains and nuts and bolts. I don't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> our audience is, I'm sure, delighted to hear her chomping away. Uh, you know, to some people, it may be relaxing. Maybe so. This is the ASMR version of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. That's right. All right. All right. 
during your next vacation, how likely are you to use the following amenities? And this is all the different types of water amenities, the gym, the gaming arcade, the business center, or the spa. In the results, I have sort of underneath the results from the survey are the results from the last survey, because again, they changed so much from one to the other, which had also flip-flopped from the previous version before that. Uh, we are seeing, again, more people back into more likely using all the amenities. Outdoor pool was at 35% on a definitely versus just 20% on an indoor pool uh, and 22% on a lazy river. And nobody really wants to use a water slide. Only 11% said definitely on a water slide. Which they I won't, still but their kids it. will. So those numbers shifted. You can go look at the pretty charts with all the pretty colors on it. It looks like a rainbow. Um, of those who have not traveled yet, only 29% said that if they did, that they would use an outdoor pool versus 45% of those who said they would use an outdoor pool. Outdoor. Outdoor pool. Only 29%. How about that? Hmm. So people who haven't traveled are just afraid of all the things. Oh, in indoor pool shrunk. Or no, sorry. I'm looking at it backwards. Indoor right, pool went from, yeah, 40 to 30. Likely, or not sure, or more, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, so those numbers were more positive versus the last survey, for sure. But again, not to the point where we were two surveys ago. How likely are you to do the following during your next vacation? And this is talking about all the food options. We continue to see buying groceries for the room is a top choice. Ordering takeout and eating in the room, a top choice. And eating at a restaurant in the local area and sitting outside are like the top three. Oh, and also eating in a restaurant at the hotel and sitting outside. Nobody wants to sit inside still. Just all the outside things. Or cooking in your room, which is funny when you think about the fact that you're going on vacation and the last thing I want to do when I'm on vacation is cook and clean. But apparently 42% are at least likely to do that on their vacation at this point in time. Has that changed much since the last one? No. That's been pretty consistent. Yeah. The things that have been flip-flopping are the, um, the inside options. So those did grow a little bit, but still, again, uh, we went from 33 to 42% for on-property inside, and the local restaurant was at 38 and increased to 48%. So... Um, talking about our next word cloud about I will travel when still people want to feel safe. That's the overarching theme of this survey. People just want to feel safe. Um, we do have a little bit of glimmer of, of budget items. We have a Ford and we have money in here. So I guessing people are, you know, obviously a little concerned about money at this point. Uh, vaccine is in here. That's a big one. Uh, if people are waiting for a vaccine, I feel like it's going to be a long time before they're going to travel. Oh, you should take the, the Russian zombie vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, open is another word, which I assume means that the area is open when people are talking about that. Um, and mask, masks are still in this board cloud as well. So make people feel comfortable, make them feel safe, and keep their budgets in mind. And then maybe people will travel again. There you go. There you have it. In a very large nutshell.
I feel like we lost our steam through this episode. We kind of, I think the audio snafu kind of threw us off. But it, I mean, it's a lot to digest. So I do encourage people to go to check this out and look back at the other ones as well and see how they've changed. And we're going to be producing some content that just illustrates, focuses on the um, the evolution of the psychology of this thing and, and how it's affected people. And I think from that we'll be able to predict where where we're heading. Um, you know, with a few probably ups and downs and roller coaster along the way, but we should start seeing confidence build back um, as we move towards a potential um, treatment or cure for this thing or some kind of inoculation. So hang in there, people, but listen to the, the words of wisdom from Auntie Melissa and Uncle Pete, <laughs> Uncle Phil and Uncle Stuart, because we're trying to help. We're trying to get you guys to do the best you can with a bad situation. Reassurance. Um, trying to eliminate fear in really top-notch communication. If you can do those things right now, you're going to be ahead of the competition and hopefully making a little bit of money along the way too. There you go. Well, any, any final thoughts, you young whippersnappers? I'm just happy all of this data is in pretty pictures and easily accessible on our website. So go through and read it if you think we lost steam. Sorry about that, but there's plenty to go through and look, and we have all kinds of great uh, observations and opportunities to follow about each one of these questions that we asked. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Phil. We haven't really said that on the show. So if you do, if you haven't been looking at the data as we talk about it, we do. In a lot of cases, we'll we'll link to other resources. Like for example, if we're talking about one where where the, the question that, that looks at where people are willing to travel, how far they're willing to travel. And we start talking about, you know, one hour, three hours, and then we'll say to you on this on the show, hey, you should be doing more geographic targeting of your PPC or something. Well, oftentimes what we'll do is we'll link out to resources from under that question to say, here's how you can do that. Obviously we don't have enough time to cover all of that in every episode. Some of them we've covered in separate episodes, but we do try to make this like a workable um, data point list that you can actually take tangible and tactical things from and go and implement for your business. So definitely there's there's a value there going to, even if you just listen to this, and, uh, now that you're done, go, go read it and, and see some of those resources as well. And then don't forget too, we have a full COVID resource center under the resources section on the fueltravel.com website as well. So we're always adding new articles to that, including our surveys and stuff from other third parties. So lots, lots of information that can still help you navigate these crazy times. All right. Well, with that said, Melissa, thank you again for putting these um, amazing data points together. If they want to learn more about you or offer some uh, thoughts about what uh, questions we should add in the future, where should they reach out? You can find me on Twitter at M.A. Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H, or I am on LinkedIn at Melissa Kavanaugh. And Phil? Well, you can find me on Twitter at P. Fariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A, uh, also on LinkedIn. And Pete? Yep, same for me, LinkedIn and Twitter, P. DiMaio, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. You can find me at Stuart Butler on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can also find us collectively at Fuel Travel on both of those platforms. And then a lot of people have recently been uh, reaching out to us just via our email address, info at fueltravel.com. We just, we've got, got a couple of those recently that we'll probably read out in the next episode. So yeah, just hit us up, any questions you have, um, or if you just want to say, hey, I listened to the show and it's, it's valuable, we, we love to hear that kind of feedback too. And then don't forget, you can always go and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts too. Um, we would really appreciate that appreciate that as well so until next time you have been listening to the fuel hotel marketing podcast melissa you sound magical it's this 1997 loaner laptop i'm on it's great it has like a two-inch screen and no proper inputs whatsoever but hey it's functioning don't make fun of toshiba tekra <laughs>